Let me pray and we'll dive in. Jesus, thanks so much for this morning. Thanks for this time. Thank you for the worship. Father, we ask that you would speak and that you would work. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're closing out a series, First and Best. It's a three-part series. If you missed any of it, you can go to awakeningchurch.com and check that out. And this morning, I want to just simply share with you some of the best advice that I never took. It's not true that I never took it, but it took a long time for me to actually apply it. And for many of us, we can look back on a season in our life or a specific moment when someone shared something with us, and we dismissed it, we kind of moved on, or really thought we knew better, and look back on that moment and go, oh, I wish. If I could go back and do it over, if I could have taken that one piece of advice. And I remember I was 15 years old, uh, and I was staying with uh, some family friends, Joy and Gordy Roberts. They're an amazing couple. They're just one of those couples uh, that exude joy, exude life. Um, they had grown kids, and we moved to Santa Cruz when I was younger, and so we didn't have uh, any family in this area, so they are surrogate uncle and aunts for me. And so I remember staying over at their house, which was the best, because I get to stay up later and um, get to watch movies that I didn't get to watch at home. So like, you know, the Batman and Batman Returns and Jurassic Park. And I was like, yes. I know, I was a deprived kid. We didn't watch those. Uh, you can feel sorry for me. Uh, or not. Uh, but, but here's the deal. Uh, I was at Joy and Gordy's. I was, I remember, this is the first time I ever shaved my head. Uh, it was with, uh, and Joy did it. And as she was shaving my head, she gave me this advice. And I look back on it, I remember it clearly, that moment, like so crystal clear to this day. And I look back and I go, oh my goodness, why did it take me 15 plus years to finally start applying this advice? And I just simply want to share with you today that advice. And and what it came down to is back to this question that we've been asking in the series, how do I end up with more of what matters most? What they were sharing was real practically. As I sat there and as she's shaving my head, real practically, how do you end up with more of what matters most? What do you actually do? And, and before we get to that, let me do a little review for those of us who weren't here, and it kind of sets up where we're going. If you got your notes, open them up. When we're asking that question, how do you end up with more of what matters most, in this culture, in the valley, there's, uh, there's a, a formula for getting more of what matters most. Uh, call it the Silicon Valley formula. It's success at any cost, and the success defined this way oftentimes is to do whatever you want whenever you want, to have that autonomy, that freedom, to be able to go on that vacation, to buy that thing, to be able to spend that time. What happens is you then have busyness as a badge of honor, and that is kind of our creed is, uh, how are you doing? Busy. Well, yeah, okay. Well, if you're not busy, then something's wrong. But, and the ultimate goal is financial security, financial independence, or um, it's really how we quantify happiness in our culture today, isn't it? To be financially secure. Now, the Silicon Valley formula produces some things. And what it produces, first we see, is success, quote, success, where you can actually do whatever you want, whenever you want, but at the expense of 
significance, of meaningful relationships, at the expense of having a a meaningful contribution and impact with your life. What it produces is overworked yet underfulfilled lives, doesn't it? And you can, you, you can talk to so many people who are busy and upwardly mobile and, and having all that it seems like on the outside, and yet there's this dull ache, and it seems like the output of their lives isn't uh, bringing enough input to their souls, is it? And what it produces is more money but less peace. In fact, for most people in this room, today you're making more money than you ever have in your entire life. And yet, you don't have a sense of peace most times. You don't have a sense of well-being. And the problem with more is the more you have, the more you have to lose, right? And the more you have to worry about. And we make more money and we pursue more, and yet the, what it produces is this lack of peace. Silicon Valley formula, what it produces, we've experienced that we've been part of that current. Jesus wants to offer a brand new formula for us, and we've talked about it the last three weeks, new formula for experiencing or getting more of what matters most. It's not really that new, right? It's 2,000 years old, but it's radical for us. He says this, remember this, this one line, but seek first his kingdom. Pursue, order your life around. Set your heart upon God's agenda, what he's about, his righteousness, his ways, the way he has defined life to work. He says when you do that, When you begin to reorder your life around God, who created all that we have, all that we know, then he says, and all these things, all all these things will be given to you as well. You'll experience more of what matters most. I've said it this way, that we have to prioritize, organize, and systematize our life around God's kingdom. Or said another way, we said, what? Give God your first and best. And he will take care of the rest. Let let him just take care of the rest. Now, Joy and Gordy, as I'm sitting there, and they're shaving my head, and they're telling me all this wisdom can be summed up in three words. You know what they are? Prioritize, organize, and systematize. This morning's a little bit different. I'll just give you a heads up. This morning is nuts and bolts. This is good advice. For some, this is going to be a refresher, a reminder. For others, it's going to be brand new. And for much of this, this is advice. Like that statement by Jesus, that's not advice, by the way. That wasn't like good advice, but seek first his kingdom. That's the command or the call of every single follower of Jesus. If you say that you're a follower of Jesus, this is a non-optional segment. Hello. But seek first 
his kingdom, and his righteousness. That is the priority of a follower of Jesus. That's what it means to be a Jesus follower. Now, for much of this, this is good advice. Take it or leave it. But my prayer, my prayer for you is that you wouldn't, like me, look back and realize, man, I missed out on really good advice. All right? You ready? Got your notes? Let's start with the first one, to prioritize your life around the kingdom of God. What it means is we have to reverse the order. We, we have to reverse the order of what matters most. In fact, Jesus reversed the order. Think about this. Uh, Jesus himself reversed the order, creator of all that we know. You know, in fact, the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians talks about Jesus who was rich became poor for our sake that we might become rich. He reversed the order there. He said this, what? That the first shall be, help me out. Anybody know it? Last, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said that if you want to be great, you have to what? Serve. You, he reversed and flipped it up. In fact, the kingdom of God is absolutely reversed to the current culture around us. And so we got to begin to go, okay, we got to reverse the order. Let me talk about the normative order for us. And, and let me back up real quick. When Jesus talked about but seeking first the kingdom of God, the application was clear. In fact, in the context, you see it. He was very clear about the application. The application was our finances. So we're going to talk about your finances. I was talking with a friend earlier and, and he was sharing with me, he's like, you know, when we talk about money, it's such a touchy thing. And I said, you're right. And you know why it's such a touchy thing? When we talk about money, it's so touchy is because money touches every area of our life. And when we talk about it, you don't want people messing with those areas in your life. The reason Jesus applied it with our finances because he knew that whatever our heart set on our, our, or our money goes, our heart follows. He knew that. He knew that how we spend our money impacts every area of our life. And he knew that the things that we seek after, we will ultimately serve under. And so he applies it in the most specific and practical way. And he says, you got to prioritize, organize, and systematize your life around the kingdom of God, and it starts with the little. In fact, he calls it the little, your money, the little of what you have. Normative here. Uh, the normative first is, uh, in our culture, is consume what I make, save if I can, give if there's any left over. In fact, if the norm in America, and I don't know what the norm in this room, you guys are, I know, all above average. You're a smart intellectual crew, uh, and you make wise decisions. But the norm in America is for uh, Americans to spend 110% of what they make, which, which is crazy. We are a consumer culture, and we realize, hey, you know what? I can buy it now and pay later, but the problem is you really do pay later, and so we leverage our lives to credit card and consumer debt. 
It, it makes no sense, by the way, when you think about it, if you really want to be, uh, forget the whole Jesus thing. If you just want to be smart with your money, why would you buy something that the minute you buy it, it depreciates in value, but you're going to put it on a credit card or have consumer debt so that you not only buy it at that purchase price, but that as you pay for it, you pay for way more than what it was cost. I mean, it makes no sense. Come on. But this is what we do as Americans. <laughs> Amen by myself. Okay. If you were with me, you were going like, yeah, I get that. But then you're like, oh, wow, I do that. Ooh, that was a little too close. Consume what I make or more than I make. Save if I can. And oftentimes, most of us don't save. We let our companies do that. Some of our companies do that. And isn't it great that your company sets up a 401k or something for you? And like, okay, great. And, you know, and maybe I might put a little of my paycheck off there. And then give if there's anything left over. And when we give, it's sporadic or spontaneous or uh, it's really honestly sparse. Jesus says, flip that paradigm reprioritize, reverse the order. Give to God first. Give consistently, habitually, predetermined, not under compulsion. Now, I think this is so important that if there's anything where you go, man, I don't really know Awakening, and I don't really know Ryan, or maybe he's just sharing this so that they can like beef up their budget, it is not true. There's a reason we did offering already. Okay? We, there is not any call. There's not going to be a, bring the baskets again. All right? And if there's any hint of that, please, please, please hear me. Because this is so important for you and for your soul and your relationship with God. Give somewhere else. Okay? Give somewhere else. But give. Reverse the order. Give to God first. Then save, invest. As I was sitting on that stool and Joy was shaving my head, you know what she was explaining to me? Compounding interest. <laughs> How many of you know about that? Yeah, studied that, took a class on that. Thank you very much. 15 years old, I, I didn't really understand. She's like, Ryan, so, I mean, she's all fired up about this. This is great. Ryan, if you invest, and I forget what the sum was, or, you know, and you start at age 20, by the time you're 50, you'll have $4 million. Like, oh, cool. Did I do it? No. No, why? Because this is good advice that I didn't take. And I'm like, oh, man. See, it's interesting, our debtors, creditors, understand compounding interest, and they have built a business model all around it, and as a result, you're paying the price for it, and yet you can flip that, and when you don't pay for stuff that you can't afford, you can actually invest and begin to save and begin to store up uh, for yourself. Uh, it's, it's actually wise. Give first, save second, then live on the rest now, if you're noticing, for most of us, what this means is that your standard of living may have to change. No, 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 but God, God, okay, I want to prioritize my life around the kingdom of God, but you don't want me to change my standard of living, do you? There's no way. Well, if you can't afford that car, if you can't afford to go out to eat every night, if you can't afford 
to wear those clothes or what? You might have to adjust your standing or living. And all of a sudden, it begins to reprioritize your life around God and his ways. When you start off with God, this is yours. And here's why Jesus said this is so important. Whatever we are consumed with, we ultimately will become consumed by. For some, it's, it's a car. It's driving that thing. And you get consumed with it. But ultimately what happens is you get consumed by it. Because you get consumed by having the right car. And once you have the right car, you're worried about what's going to happen to that car. And then you take on debt and you're paying this thing. So you're worried about paying for that. Or having the right house. Or having the right vacation. And you get consumed by by it, and ultimately the question becomes who or what are you putting your trust in to really provide for your needs? I would take that passage again and think about the Jesus but seek first. Think about this, say it this way, but be consumed with the kingdom of God. See, ultimately we are consumers at heart, and I mean Thanksgiving's crazy. It used to be about being thankfulness. Remember that? It used to be about sitting around the dinner table and sharing, you know, my dad would always have you go around and share, this is what I'm thankful for. Oh, dad, you know, do that whole deal. Now it's about the deals. It's about, hey, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get that TV. I'm going to, Black Friday has turned into, and this is so strange, and whoever named this should be shot. Brown Thursday, that's the name for bef- that starts pre the preamble of Black Friday. Like, oh, you maybe just should have went with something completely different there. I'm just saying. Because whatever we're consumed with, we ultimately will be consumed by. But be consumed with the kingdom of God. First, good advice, prioritize your life around the kingdom of God. It means reversing the order of how you're spending. It may mean some changes. Prioritize and then organize. Literally make a plan. We've heard it said that if you fail to plan, you plan to what? Fail. Ron Blue, in his book, Master uh, Your Money, writes this, Most of us are responders rather than planners. We respond to friends, advertising, and our emotions rather than planning our spending. The average person does not have a plan with their finances. The proverb says this, Be sure to know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. Like, like, like know what's going on. Four. Here's why. Riches don't endure forever. A crown is not secure for all generations. We assume that what we have will always continue and just increase. What if it doesn't? It says give careful attention. Let me give you just a basic, basic plan. First, summarize your present situation. Just summarize your present. Where are you at financially? You know, in, in the business world and organizations, they have a dashboard. It summarizes the present situation. Do you have a personal dashboard? Let me just give you an easy way to do it. Let me see here. This is, you take your 
assets, U minus your debts, and that equals your net worth. Right? I mean, I mean, there's a whole lot of complicated things that, you know, f financial people and CPAs and all those sort of things can talk, and I, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm, I'm real basic. You take what you have, money in the bank, what you own, houses, cars, or whatever, and then you subtract it from what you owe. So you have a mortgage on that. Okay, how much, how much can you sell your home for? Assets. How much do you owe on your home? Debts. And you just begin to figure out, what am I worth? The problem is most Americans have a negative net worth. Isn't it interesting? See, we, we make the most wealth in America, and yet we are not the wealthiest nation because we are a debt oriented society that somehow believes that we're going to leverage debt to create wealth. That, that was, that's only a 50-year-old concept. That's post-World War II, World War I, to like create the economy engine. And yet we buy into it as this is the way you do it. And people walk around with incredible consumer debt, buying things they can't afford, incredible credit card debt, and wonder why you don't have any peace. Would you begin to just simply summarize your present situation? Where are you at? What's the big picture? And then do this. Set specific financial goals. It might be a goal around, um, well, some of you are in debt. It might be a goal of getting out of debt. You're, I'm going to pay off that credit card. I'm going to pay off that student loan. It, it might be a goal around you have a dream to start a business, and so you're going to begin to steward and save up, and I, I want to start a business. Or you know what? You might have a goal around college or sending your kids to college or buying a home or retirement. By the way, the longer term your perspective, the better decisions you make in the present. Some of you need to write that down. Let me say it again. The longer term your perspective is, the better decisions you will make in the present. See, we make these impulse, emotional buys and don't realize that those decisions are undercutting our dreams, are undercutting the very priorities we have, are undercutting where we ultimately long to be and wonder why we just stay in this cycle. Okay? Okay? Here, summarize present situation, set specific financial goals, and then do this. Track your money. If you do nothing else, if you hear nothing else, if you take no other advice, and I plan on 90% of what I'm saying being lost, going in one year, out the other, okay? Here's the 10%. Track your money. I, I want you to do it this way. Uh, you, you can do it your own way, but this is the way I do it. I take a, a blank sheet of paper, and I take the last month's expenditures. You go to your bank account, you know, online, you look at the last month, and you just begin to see where you spent your money. When I first did this, I realized, because <laughs> what you'll see is you'll see patterns. You'll go, I had no idea I spent that much. Because you begin to categorize. So what I did is I go through that and take the blank sheet, look at my bank account, and just take off every area. 
And when I first did it, it was early 20s with Jenny. Uh, we're married, and we're trying to get ahead, have brand new kids. They're brand old kids now, I guess. You know what I was shocked at? How much money I spent on coffee. It's only a couple bucks, and you know, that $4 latte, hmm, I only get that like once a week. It's amazing. Some of us go to Starbucks, Pete's, Phil's, B2, multiple times a day. Like Phil's coffee, you just want to get a cup of coffee, and it's $4. And that's nothing special. That's just a cup of coffee. And then you add it up. I had no idea how much I was spending on that. You're like, I, I didn't know I was spending $100 a week on coffee. There's no way. Had no idea on dining out. Dining. There we go. Dining out. I had no idea on, uh, let's see, what else? Um, food and groceries. Right? Here's what you'll do. When you track your money, you'll begin to see patterns and things you had no idea you were spending and how much. Because we all assume it's just a little. Little, I love what the proverb says, and we'll get to it in the next one, but it says, whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. The opposite is true, too. A lot of times, it's not the big for many of us, it's the little. The little accumulated over and over and over again. This is why Jesus is so brilliant, by the way, when he talks about money. Because it gives you a snapshot of where you're at. And when we're talking about the kingdom of God and seeking first his kingdom, we can talk about a feeling a lot of times, can't we? I feel this or I feel that. And that's not bad. That's, That's good. But you can look at your money and your finances and go, oh, that's not a feeling. That's a fact. Because you can see where you're spending your energy. You can see what you're prioritizing. You can see what's most valuable. You can see where waste is. Now, here's why I think this is so important to track your money. Uh, There was a study done in 2009, the National Institute of Health. And they were studying um, how to help those with uh, obesity really lose weight. Uh, the common understanding of the time was that you needed to radically change every habit. And so nutritionists and um, athletic trainers, they would just change everything. So you radically changed their diet. You radically changed their exercise system. You radically changed their sleep patterns and all these sort of things. But the problem was they would do all these things, and about two months in, people would just stop. They'd quit. They'd go back to their old patterns. In 2009, they did this study, and where they simply had this case group, this study group, keep a food journal. All they did, they didn't ask them to change their diet, didn't ask them to change their exercise, sleeping patterns, any of those sort of things. All they said was, would you keep a food journal? Would you just write down what you eat? What they found out, was the people who kept a food journal lost more weight than those who tried all the radical things and kept it off. And the same is true with our finances. And here's the reason why. Because when you keep a food journal, you're like, I didn't realize I ate that late. I didn't realize I ate that much. 
Last night, okay, this is a public confession, okay. Last night I was at a party, and I have, I have a thing for cookies. We had cookies at my wedding. I love cookies. And someone made fresh-made cookies, and I took one. I'm like, that's good. I probably deserve another. I worked in the yard. I got this callus right. <laughs> took another. I began to not notice, but by the end of the night, I had four cookies. They're big, too. I felt really bad when my son went to go get a cookie and there was no cookies left. (laughs) (laughs) See, the subtlety of consumption is we don't notice and we diminish. And when you begin to just simply track, you realize, oh, I had no idea. And what I'm spending on isn't really what I truly value or want. Would you prioritize... Would you organize? And then finally, would you systematize? You have to have a system that helps you execute the plan that embodies your priorities. I know that's a little complicated of a statement, but this is where many of us fall short. You have to have a system. You have to have a structure. Great businesses, by the way, have great systems. Think about your finances. Do you have a system? Spend less than you make. Proverbs says, dishonest money dwindles away, or really it's that get-rich-quick idea, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. I'd invite you to embrace the KISS principle. It means keep it simple. What? Stupid. Yeah. I had the last S and made it a little different. Keep it simple and keep it sustainable. Uh, when Jenny and I were doing our premarital counseling when we were, before we were married, uh, the dean of my university uh, was doing it. He's an amazing man, awesome guy. Um, and he showed us how he did his finances. And he had this incredibly complicated ledger before me. And he spent about a half an hour to 45 minutes every night updating and moving and erasing and all these sort of things. And I just went... That sounds like hell. That, I mean, some, some people, God bless you, I'm so thankful for you. That's how your mind works. I'm not naturally organized, by the way. I, I'm not actually naturally disciplined. I've just experienced the pain of that so long. I've become disciplined, become organized. I was one of the best procrastinators on the planet. I'm guarantee you. Anybody else? Anybody yeah, so took you a while to raise your hand, didn't it? Um, <laughs> I don't know if I want to. I'll be the last. Okay. I needed a system that was simple. Let me give you a simple system. This works for me. It works for our family. And and here's what it is. I call it the envelope system. I got it from my folks. It's what we use. We use the envelope system. And and here's what I do. You take those that big list and you see all the areas that you you just naturally start spending more on. And you have your fixed cost, you know. Right? Rent or mortgage. You have um I don't know, schooling for some, you know. Uh, insurance, yeah. 
Oh, by the way, just, this is kind of just an FYI. Your cable bill is not a fixed cost. That's discretionary. Just, just Everyone thinks that's like, I, no, 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 no. The football network, not a fixed cost. And here's what I do. Here's what we do. We take all those things, pay many of those fixed costs online. We just take the areas where we tend to spend most and have a budget for, have a set amount, and I pay in cash. Here's the reason why. On average, we spend 17% more when we pay with a credit card. We buy 17% more. And I think it's way worse with just the one-click stuff. It's crazy. On Amazon, I, 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 I spend like $50 on books, and I, like, what just happened? I went into a book-buying coma, and I woke up, and, and there's like all these books on my Kindle now. I'm like, thank you. I'm like, you see the bill? What? So for us, one of the areas we have is we have an envelope that just says grocery and home. And we have a budget line, and I go to the bank, and I put money in each week. So you know when you don't have money? It's not proper English, I know. When there's no money in the envelope. I know, it's crazy, life-changing. An area that we often found when we do that blank page is one of our values as a family even is fun. We love having fun with our kids, love having fun with others. We love to be giving and have fun and be generous to others, but it comes at an expense. And oftentimes we can overspend in that category, whether it's eating out or whether it's doing some fun stuff with other people. So we have a fun category. And we just begin to put a little bit in there. My wife loves to buy gifts. She loves to figure out the very best gift for the best, you know, for that person. And yet Christmas time's coming up. We have like 15, 17 nieces and nephews to buy gifts for. Stop having babies, um, you know? And so we have a gifts envelope. It's simple. I need a simple system. It keeps it very clear, keeps me organized. Now, here's what systems require. Systems require discipline. It just does. Most people do not have a money problem. The reality is we often have a discipline problem. I need a system that's simple, sustainable, but the reality is my part is I gotta have discipline. Uh, My dad drilled into my head discipline because I, like I said, I was not a disciplined person. In fact, he made, made me memorize Hebrews 12, I think it's 10, where it says, no discipline is pleasant but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. And then it had this definition of discipline. For some, this just needs to be in your forefront. If you're a procrastinator, you need this. Discipline is doing what needs to be done when it needs to be done regardless of how you feel. Doing what needs to be done. Don't delay. When it needs to be done, don't put it off. And it's not based on whether you feel like it or not. Go, I'm just going to do it. Systems require discipline. 
for many, that, that, that's just for you. You just need to go, okay, I need to begin to take small steps. Get small wins. Start making your bed. Serious. I mean, it's just small area. Just start making your bed. Start setting an alarm clock. I mean, small areas. Oh, I, mean, I mean, actually, get up when your alarm goes off. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Everybody sets it. I'm sorry. It's mind over mattress. Um. <laughs> Fifteen years old, sat, getting my hair shaved, an incredible couple, probably in their mid to late 50s, grown kids, shared some amazing advice with me about how to prioritize my life, how to organize my life, and how to then have systematize my life around the kingdom of God. The question is then for you, what will you do? And to close, I thought I could really think through maybe a, um, a really heartwarming story that will just kind of tug on you or just an emotional appeal. But, but I thought if I closed that way, you would walk out of there and wonder, is this really what I need? Or did it, if you're a cynic like me, you go, I, I, I think I just got sold a bill of goods. Here's what I want to do. I want to close the way we began this series. I began with a couple reflective questions. I want to close with four reflective questions just for you to answer, just between you, yourself, and I. Not me, yourself. Just sit back, relax, and let me ask you these. Is your standard of living actually hurting your quality of life? I mean, is your standard of living, the pursuit of more, actually hurting your quality of life, getting more of what matters most? Do you find yourself spending or investing your life? I mean, do you feel like where you spend your time, your money, your energy, that it's actually producing something or is it just simply being spent? Which concerns you more? How much money you have or how much of you God has? What specific step do you need to take? See, because if nothing changes, nothing changes. If you do not take a step, it is simply good advice, gone in one ear, out the other, and you look back and wonder, man, I really wish I took it back then. And for some, you're in that place, and it start today. What specific step do you need to take to give God your first and best.
Jesus, thanks for this morning. Thanks for the time. I, I pray that you would make us a church that passionately pursues you with all that we have, all that we are, that would recognize that all that we have and all uh, that we are is really a gift from you anyways. We're simply stewards. And I pray that you would give each person here the wisdom to know how to answer that last question. What step do I need to take? And then the courage to do it. In Jesus' name, amen.